0: Point eight to ten PM Turning Conventional Wisdom on its head. Song on SAFM. Hashtag student night higher education and training COVID nineteen measures rolled out. Higher Health. The Health and Wellness Agency of the Department of Higher Education and Training that is dedicated to student and staff well being has been supporting the post-schooling education sectoral response to COVID-19. HH, Higher Health that is, has been training institutional management, student support services, campus health officers, academia, student leadership, and the peer education networks to implement the protocols as the phase return to campus starts. We hear more about their two sets of tailor-made guidelines that will form the foundation for all other initiatives. These guidelines outline why and how students and staff may be impacted and how to assist individuals that may experience problems. We will also touch on lessons that they believe can draw from the challenges faced by the basic Department of Education only for their implementation in tertiary institutions, Ms. Dr. Diane Parker, Deputy Director-General for University Education in South Africa. Doc, good evening. Thanks for your time, Diane. Appreciate your being here.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much, and good evening to all listeners, and good evening to you, Sir. So nice to be
0: here. I, I certainly would hope that many students will participate here, as well as those who are involved in the broader public life of institutions of higher learning, because I think that's always going to be great so that you can also take into consideration what their fears are and equally some things that have worked. But briefly, talk to us about this um, initiative, let me call it that, because it is very important now. A university is no longer the same place as it was at the beginning of the semester that we're about to wrap up.
1: (laughs) Yes. um, Well, as you had indicated, Higher Health is an agency that we support Um, And through the agency, they've developed a whole lot of different documentation as well as um, processes and training for our post-school education and training um, institutions. So it covers universities, uh, TVET colleges, and community education and training colleges. Um, And really, and it's supporting both the public and the private sector as well, And basically, the one set of documents, the original guidelines for post-school education and training institutions for the management and response of COVID-19 outbreaks. And that's quite a detailed document that they developed together with the NCID um, in order to guide our institutions around the kinds of things that could be expected at the beginning of the the pandemic, right, you know, in April, Mm. somewhere around... Um, March, this this document was, was developed. Um, and since then, there have been a number of different protocols that have been developed. They have developed a protocol on you know, um, well, there they, they, are five different protocols. There's a protocol on how to clean and do routine cleaning in the institutions to ensure the safety of students. Um, there's a protocol on screening, testing, and linkages to care for the PCS um, system. There's a protocol on student volunteer programs for PSET. And this is really linked to the idea that um, the student volunteers could be assisting both the departments of health but also mm-hmm. on campuses to ensure that we, we uh, manage the health and safety of students. Um, the, the, there's also a, a integrated digital screening system that they've developed This health check, which is a a platform that um, individuals will check their health on a whole lot of questionnaires um, as they go in, before they go into campuses every day. And on the basis of their responses on health check, they will be um, given a different kind of level, either completely clear, a mid-risk or a high-risk and they'll be advised on whether they should go into the campus or what they should do, where they could go to get help if they are a high-risk. Um, and that is linked into the the health system's uh, COVID-19 tracking process. Mm. And what this allows is for students to do their own screening in some way and staff to do their screening before they get to campus so that when they get to the campus, they've already got a certificate, showing this and it can be um, uploaded automatically and institutions can also track uh, the screening of of, of students coming in. And then there's um, also a protocol uh, for the institutions in terms of what happens when you have uh, students or staff presenting with COVID-19, how do you handle that, what are the different aspects that you have to deal with. So it's quite a comprehensive set of of processes, and then of course um, linked to that is this whole issue of training, um, training staff, um, training the um, the volunteers, training uh, peer educators, so that um, these sort of messages can be well spread across across campuses, and um, you know, I a mean, critical cool thing for us around ensuring health and safety. Um, is this issue of how do we um, ensure that uh, students, you know, uh, implement the various toolkits that are available to them um, and take care of themselves and others in the same way. So it's a whole issue about how do we, how do we create a, a, a social solidarity, I suppose, on our campuses um, so that we all work together to ensure that we keep safe but at the same time, we're able to study, and we're able to um, complete the academic year, and and um, you know to have a have a uh, mitigate against the, the the difficult situation that we're in, unprecedented situation that we're
0: in. I want to probe one issue which just really stuck out of the many that you have raised and presented in your brief remarks the fact that a student or a member of staff or some other stakeholder in the university setup will contract the virus is my respectful opinion that it's a question of when as opposed to if we have seen what's happening in schools even my own employer has shut down the workplace for two weeks because some of my colleagues have since contracted the virus so it's gonna happen do we then anticipate that when a university is affected by a carrier of Corona of COVID-19, that that particular department or worse, the entire institution will be shut down? Because if somebody can say, I was in this lecture theater there, I went to the student cafeteria and then I went to the library and then I went to go visit my friends on my way back at, at rest," Now, those are four places which potentially could be contaminated what then would happen in such instances because we are seeing businesses shutting down, we are seeing schools shutting down, and I don't make too much of a separation between a school, basic education, and institutional higher learning for this mm. particular purpose.
1: No, I mean, I think this is one of these very serious issues that we have to um, navigate during this particular period of time. Um, we've seen this in all kinds of workplaces, and, and there is an increase. There's no doubt that there's going to be an increase, and, and our students and staff um, are likely to contract the the disease. So what does this mean and how do we think about it? Um, I think the protocols that the protocols try to do is uh, try to enable us to understand what kind of behaviours would would, uh, keep us as safe as possible. They also provide uh, quite good guidelines in terms of the kind of cleaning that needs to happen after you've got this kind of um, incident that comes in um shutting down uh, they're not suggesting that uh, you shut down the entire um, you know institution because of the case, but what has to happen is that um, that those cases need to be identified as quickly as possible, individuals need to be put into isolation. Um, there has to be contact tracing um, for those institutions, and the areas that 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 um, that um, have been affected need to be thoroughly cleaned. Um, so it's a it's a matter of how one goes about those kinds of things, cordons off areas and manages it. I don't think it can be a situation where we would close down the whole institution. But um, we also are, in terms of the return of students to institutions, putting in a very controlled and, um, you know, uh, managed process in terms of how we how um, students and staff return, and and it's also um, linked to this whole issue of how do you bring in technology uh, as well, so that uh, there's far more of uh, you know smaller groups. Not uh, dealing with the issues of physical distancing, dealing with the issues of social solidarity. So, so this issue um, of—I mean, I suppose a school is a is a is a much smaller environment than um, than a university. A university is a large environment. It's a bit like a, you know, a small city, I suppose, in a in a way. Um, And and you know, so so closing down the whole university because you've got a case wouldn't really um, work, but you have to go through these processes. And that's why at every single institution, there are these COVID-19 uh, response task teams that all had to set it up. Um, you know, we, we published a, um, a gazette around the return, uh, the criteria for the return um, of students and staff to campuses. And in that gazette, we have a number of different... Um, uh issues there that really have to be put in place um that enable the controls um and the management controls around these things. What you know what what we what we um all would be extremely worried about is uh you know if you have one of these um super spreading type um uh, incidences happening. That would be something that that um, you know is the greatest risk. If if there's a person who 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 is spreading it and doesn't recognise that they've got the the, the the disease, and that's one of the biggest um, risks that we that that we do face um, going forward. Uh, but we we have to we have to manage these the best we can. And all institutions um, have had to put in, for example. Uh, a, a plans around isolation areas, quarantine areas, how we deal with the, um, with incidences when they come up, how do we work with um, the NCID and the provincial health departments in terms of the contact tracing to ensure that we identify the people who it is come in contact with, and uh, this in particular this issue around how do you do this environmental cleaning um, there's the regular cleaning, and then there's this more. Uh, you know, higher health is very against this idea of deep cleaning and fogging and all of that because they say that that is that is really not what's required. But what's required is um, a very you know good clean of of, of, of the areas, um, and and that is really how we've got to try to to manage this and handle it.
0: Deputy Director General, University Education in the Department of Higher Education and Training. We're going to take a very short ad break now, and then she returns for just a little over five minutes in the balance of the conversation, which has to end at 21:30. I welcome your calls, then, please on 0891 104 207. Were you listening to this? Are you a university student? Are you going back to school? Have you forfeited the academic year? Are you a parent? What are your thoughts in relation to your child? Where is your child? Are you at university already? All these questions we'd love some interga- some engagement with you after the break. Please stay tuned. SAFM Viewpoint. SMS SAFM Now <laughs> Whole song is on 41391. All songs or now 0891-104-207 I have a concern from what you've been saying, Diana, I mean, I'm not taking away from what you've been saying more than I'm just equally alive to the reality of the higher education sector. Let's take my old university and my old university, University of Fortin, University of Stadenbosch. Resource allocation-wise, the type of students they attract in relation, certainly, to one socio-economic background at home couldn't be more different. One is a previously disadvantaged, what is called Black University. One was, I suppose, where apartheid itself was created. And, of course, that meant the resources followed suit. Mm-hmm. How technology will be able to absolve a student more readily in Stellenbosch than more readily a university student from Fort Hare? The fact that in Stellenbosch, in more instances than not, rooms are not nearly as shared, as you will find at Forte, where there is a problem, and that's a reality, I'm going to call it what it is, of students squatting among themselves. That's before Mm -hmm. anything takes place. It doesn't matter what health protocols you have in place when one enters the facility. But once Mm -hmm. one is inside, unfortunately, the realities of the conditions, historical conditions, are going to catch up It's a question of when. And I would then say with this program and even with these interventions, we are then more likely to see the effects of COVID-19 more rampant, more quickly, if between these two universities at Forte versus at Stellenbosch. And I was at both. Mm. So I've got allegiance Mm. to both. How then do we ensure that the continued cycle of poverty regeneration or the question of inequality regeneration is better handled? We know so far how those affluent universities have been able to take the knock, so to speak, better than the universities that I'm referring to like Fort Hare. How then mm-hmm. in this dispensation do you anticipate things will get better? I might say even potentially they will get worse.
1: Uh, look, I think that you're raising a very, very important issue and it's such a difficult one in this country because we live with enormous inequality. I, I don't think anybody, you know, anybody could... Mm. Um, could could say that 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 isn't the actual case, and it's one of the reasons why we've had to understand and try to work with each individual individually in terms of uh, each institution individually in terms mm. of what mm. their context is so if we look across the system, every institution has had to put in place a plan that links to the realities of their students on the ground not 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 the reality of of what we would hope, um, you know, of course, we would want to have a completely equal system where we don't have these kinds of, of issues in place. And we've been working hard at supporting institutions to, you know, improve things like infrastructure, um, dealing with some of those kinds of backlog issues that have been um, at those institutions. Um, so, so, so what we're seeing across the system. Is each institution having its own plan in terms of its specific needs? Let's take an institution like um, Walter Sisulu University, for example, which has got um, a number of different campuses across uh, the Eastern Cape, um, yes, yes. and some of the, some of the conditions, you know, in in the in the, um, in the in the actual of the actual infrastructure is is really a, a, a huge concern. Um, That institution is taking uh, quite a lot longer to get ready to bring its students in. It has um, you know, uh, for example um, quite recently over the last two weeks or so, been supplying laptops to all its students ensuring students have got data um, ensuring that they've um, got uh, materials, learning materials, etc. And they would are starting a, a quite a bit later than an institution like Stellenbosch or like um, WITS or UP, because those institutions are able to start immediately. Um, and, 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 what, and then their plan really is, you know, also because, because, of, because of these specific issues, to bring the students back onto campuses um, in a more controlled and slower process. And that's really linked to the fact that they have to make sure that they when they bring them back in they're not doubling them up or tripling them up in in in, in the in the um residences that they are able to to support them when they come back in the best possible way that they can, given their context um, and this is going this is going to have a an, an impact in terms of the length of the academic year in terms mm-hmm. of how students are supported through these different um, uh, platforms and how students, um, you know, are, uh, can then succeed. And I think this issue of um, supporting students through the kinds of processes that are possible at an institution is, is a critical aspect of this. Of course, we, we are ne- we're not going to see the same... Exactly the same process is going on at the Stellenbosch University as we are going to be seeing at Walter Sicily. But what we can say is we can support these institutions the best way we can to ensure that they're able to um, roll out this uh, teaching and learning for students, um, keep it as safe as they possibly can. And, um, you know, I know for, 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 for them in the Eastern Cape, given what's happening, uh, all the institutions are, are, are being quite cautious about how many students they'll bring back immediately um, to take this uh, forward.
0: Fantastic. Then let's leave it there. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pity we don't have more of it because there are so many questions which I would be especially interested in looking at also the engagement on our platform. Students really are concerned, as would imaginably, their parents. But for now, thank you so much for your time, Diane. We wish you well. And you're more than welcome to return and give us a running update of how things develop as universities open up.
1: Thank you, Samisa, and thank you for having me. And good night to everybody.
0: Good night to you indeed, Dr. Diane Parker, Deputy Director, General Universities Education in the Department of Higher Education and Training. That then, ladies and gentlemen, with that being done and said, was the show. Thank you so much for your patronage. We'll chat next week.